At Scribble, we're proud to keep the free audiobook by podcast tradition going strong. But, of course, the free model only works as long as you sometimes swing by Scribble.com. That's S-C-R-I-B-L dot com. And support our authors by also purchasing their titles in ebook or higher quality ad-free audiobook form. Scribble pays authors at the same rate or better than other outlets, so there's no better place to show your support for your favorite author than by buying your next book from Scribble. That's S-C-R-I-B-L dot com. Chapter 9 Your words are my food, your breath my wine. You are everything to me. Sarah Bernhardt I can't believe the police have you investigating a murder case, Mark said. That's the difference in this place. They can still deputize you when they need more law. She laughed at him just like she'd been doing all day from the time they left the diner to now, sitting in the library drinking her last bottle of Pinot. She was drunk. I'm not a deputy, she said laughing. Detective Colton just wants me to look at some areas where the murders took place. He thought there might be a connection, and since she swept her hand with the wine glass around the room of the library, since you're the keeper of all information, trivial or otherwise, you might know something about them, Mark said, pouring himself another glass. God, you're a librarian. Do you know what that implies? Yeah, I'm a spinster, and I'll probably become old and crabby here in my books with my crochet sweaters. Exactly. She thought he looked like he was going to say something else, but he didn't. He drank his wine and looked around the room. Her insecurities left her around her second glass. Normally, she'd be afraid that Mark was comparing her raggedy library to something like the New York City Public Library. My rink-and-dink library ain't quite the cathedral of books that you're used to, huh? Instead, she made a joke. He was amused. He shook his head. She thought he looked gorgeous. No, he said, smiling. It's perfect. It's just the right size. It's too big even for this place, she said. It was something she'd felt for a long time. After running into Mark and talking to him, she was beginning to feel like she might be too big for this place as well. Everybody left Canyon Park, but hardly anybody came back. She said so to Mark and asked why he did bother coming back when he never even bothered to go to his aunt's funeral. For a long time, he stared into space. Then, for a long time, he watched the wine swish around as he gently rotated the glass. I came back here. He stopped and thought some more. He placed a glass of wine on the table and leaned back into the couch. Francine was afraid he'd get up and leave, but he just sat there thinking. Kind of came back here to find myself. He laughed a little at the comment, the kind of laugh that revealed more than he originally meant to say. She knew what he said embarrassed and relieved him all at once. She leaned in and smiled to show him that she cared, and it was safe for him to go on. How do you mean, she said. His expression went from thoughtful to open as if he'd suddenly realized that he could share anything with this person in front of him. Francine knew that this was never foreseen in all their futures. In all their plans, this path, neither of them anticipated coming upon this particular moment. Didn't strike me why I'd come up here until I was in one of the L-Nighters outside of town. It was this young Indian man working the counter. He told me he'd just got out of the jail, and he looked a little young and innocent, too young to have been in jail. 
Not that I want to see people go to jail, but in New York, there were so many people posing if they were that type. They dressed the part, had the attitude and scary look, but for the most part, they were harmless. Here, people just are who they seem to be. He picked up his wine glass and relaxed further into his seat. Cushion swallowed him up, and Francine saw the little boy in him stretching through his adult demeanor to break free like pulling apart taffy into thin strips. He was wrestling with something more than himself. As if for the first time, she noticed the sound of fast rain tapping on the roof. Do you know anything about your family history? She asked. From what he had just told her, she guessed he only had remedial knowledge. We came here in about the 18th century and staked our claim. The Lalos invested in the town until they owned almost everything and everyone. It's pretty basic. My fourth grade niece knows about that much, she said. Probably more, since that's about all I cared to know. You didn't much like your family, he shrugged. Guess being an orphan, I need a little more than the old family rhetoric and some nice oil paintings. You know my aunt was not much for opening up. I heard a few of the same stories over and over, but nothing substantial. She let it be known early on that I shouldn't pry. And I didn't. As a boy, I felt alone most of the time. I was jealous of the other kids who had parents. And they were jealous of you for being a Lalo and so damn good-looking, she said. The last part she threw in to test the waters. She thought he actually blushed. Thank you. He sat up straight. Why did we break up again? You're a jerk. Right. He poured some more wine and took a long sip. So what do you know about my family? I know some stuff, she said. I know some juicy tidbits about your grandparents. He leaned forward. Really? Like what? probably explains why your aunt never spoke to you about your family history. How? After Detective Carlton left me the other day, I started doing some research. I pulled the old maps and records and all the places where the bodies were being found. That was the detective's idea. Most of the spots were nothing important. Construction company owned by her father in the 1900s built your aunt's house, and most of the laborers were Oneida. It was the same with the White River Bridge, the original wooden one, not the one that's there now. I remember that one, Mark said. It was long and scary because when you drove over it, you had to go slow and it creaked. That's it. The third location, the Mill Museum, was built and run by the same company owned by your grandfather. So my grandfather's the connection? That's my theory. Someone who worked for your grandfather. Probably in Oneida was either gypped of money or had something stolen from him by your grandfather. My father was Anne's younger brother by his second wife, and I bet that Grandpa wasn't such a nice guy. That's why she took me in, but didn't really tell me much about the family. From what I heard, your grandfather's second wife was a floozy. He picked her up in a cafe in New York during the war. She was what they call a beatnik, before they called them hippies. Right, and a cafe is another term for bar. I heard a little about her, but she also died young like my parents. She died of a heart attack in the early 60s, and your parents died in an accident in the 70s, right? She said it as if she were checking off the facts in her mind. It dawned on her suddenly that this was more than just interesting local history. It was Mark's family. She was talking about his dead parents. He nodded his head. I'm sorry, Mark, I didn't mean to. He waved his hand at her. It's no big deal. Just talking about my family with you makes me realize how little I knew. It's like when they died, I was estranged. I had maybe one or two uncles who were close with me, but they never said anything about my parents either. To everyone in the family, they never existed. Except to me, of course. I knew them personally in my mind. I had very grand and naive visions of what they were like and why they died. Again, the rain sizzled outside. Children do that. I know, he said. I should go back to my hotel. It's probably pretty late and I... Stay, she said, although everything inside her screamed, Don't say it! The wine muffled that voice. The rain came down harder on the roof. It's raining and the roads are going to get washed out. I have a place in the back we can stay. He smiled a little. Is there a coffee maker? She nodded, although she wasn't sure if he'd totally gotten the proposal she had put out there. 
She felt her face go pink. There is a god. May he open up a hole and swallow me up, she thought. I'll stay, he said. His voice said that he understood. The rain flourished. To find out more, please visit www.coincide.blogspot.com. This patio book is a production of Zilco Studios. (laughs) 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 (laughs)